Hello, and welcome back to our podcast, CE University, where we go over industry insights, new imaging trends, continuing education, and more. I'm your host, Kay, and I am joined by my co-host, Cecilia. Hello. Today, we are going to be talking about mammography. So on March 9th of this year, the FDA published the final rule to update the MQSA to reflect advances in mammography technology and to standardize mammography reports given to patients. A lot of mammography technologists have seen the MQSA final rule of 2023 and have begun to ask questions about what these changes mean and how to prepare for them. So since we aren't mammographers, we have invited a HEX resident mammography expert to join us today. This is Peggy Hoosier. She's our very own chief operating officer. Peggy has been with AHEC since 1996, and she has been an advocate for quality mammography and mammography education since 1994. She has served as a mammography consultant and expert witness. Peggy received her master's degree from Lamar University and served as a faculty member there for 15 years. As we said before, Peggy is our resident mammography expert, and we're so happy and excited to have her here today. Thank you for joining us today, Peggy. Hello, ladies. I'm happy to be with you, and um, I think we'll just uh, get started. If you all have some questions to help us kind of guide the conversation, uh, we we will get going. So we're going to dive right in then. Um, So what is the purpose of these changes and when do they take effect? Okay, well, they have been proposed way back in March of 2019, where they have began to look at changes to MQSA, which has not been amended since the final. Well, let me rephrase. It has been amended, but the final rules were uh, passed way back in 1999. Um, So there have been some amendments to the rules, but this is a major update um, and has been a long time coming. So, as I said, the rules were first proposed in March of 2019, and the overall objective was to seek to improve the quality and accuracy of mammography and ensure that the patients have access to high-quality MAMO services. So, the new final rules have significant revisions from the proposed rules um, and include changes in terminology and clarification requirements. And the new rules will take effect uh, on, um, let's see, September the 10th of 2024. So, The FDA's uh, new final rules uh, really are aimed at modernizing MAMO regulations and updating the language. You can imagine if if the rules that were uh, final rules were all written for film screen mammography and have had to be amended over the years to incorporate digital technology. And right now in the U.S., there are only a couple of film screen, I shouldn't say a couple, a handful uh, film screen um, facilities left in the country and everything else is digital. So there's a little over 8,800 MAMO units in the U.S. and only a few were film screen. So updating all of the language and everything to incorporate the new technology was a big part of uh, what these new rules are are going to do for mammography services. So there are a lot of new updates coming for Mammotex. Can you summarize the major changes and what they include? 
Yeah, we will we will just kind of do an overview and I'll give you a couple of examples um, because honestly, um, the, the published rules are out there and people are just now beginning to ask the questions. OK, I read what that is, but what does it mean and how will we incorporate that into our current mammography practices? So um, the three major categories that are included are updates or improvements that uh, address changes in technology um, and, and the way that we're operating our facilities. And then improvements to enhance quality standards and improvements to the way that we communicate MAMO results and how our reports for our mammograms are reported, categorized, and retained. So let's just look at a few examples from each one of those categories um, and possibly we can do something in the future that goes more in depth. But some of the improvements that are going to are are directed at changes in the technology, as I said, update to language in the rule that um, incorporates digital technology, fulfilled digital technology, um, and and some of the all of the language that supports that. But there are also some areas that have been problematic in the past and not well defined um, in, in the technology improvements. And one of those was facilities and um, the main maintaining the mammogram images um, so that they are available on request when the patients uh, need them. Uh, in the past, when you're using film screen, you're, you were actually dealing with a physical film on an image. And those images, when people came to the facility to get their images, to take them to another facility, they actually had something physically to hold on to. Well, the advent of all of the digital technology um, the images are, are transferred digitally and so facilities have this have the problem of how to retain all of these huge files um, that we have for a mammogram um, procedure. So there are going to be some changes in how we retain those original mammogram images and have them available to transfer on request. There are also going to be changes to some of the policies and procedures within your departments or within the MAMO departments to minimize record loss. And so you're going to see, and believe it or not, this is, this is a very important issue um, because of the need for a baseline mammography. So if somebody's mammography images or they're in the, uh, in the old days where we had to film screen, um, the images are misplaced or can't be found or poor quality, then the ability to compare those images to their current or their their most recent mammogram becomes an issue. Um, and so this is an area that we've seen some problems in in the past. So you're going to see facilities will have to implement policies and procedures uh, to minimize that loss and to define how the, the transfer of the images is going to uh, occur. So 
another one of those things where you're you're just looking at ways to improve what we have been doing in the past. So um, you'll see see those kind of changes. So they and we categorize the changes to try to help group them together so people can kind of put their their heads around how they're going to change their 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 practices based on what the law is saying that we must do. Uh, the second category is improvements um, uh, intending to enhance quality. You know, it is the Mammograms Quality Standards Act and the impetus for the, the, the MQSA Act from the get-go has been to improve the overall process, um, the procedure that the patient gets. And it's certainly accomplished that in many different areas, but there's always room for improvement and the updates and the changes that they're proposing fall in line with that enhancement of quality. Um, and one of the, the issues with uh, image interpretation is going to be uh, that the mammograms must be submitted for interpretation in the MAMO modality in which they were originally produced. Um, the images must be retained in their original modality and so that you will have that comparability that we're talking about. So in addition to your policies and procedures under the changes and improvements to technology, we're also going to see some changes in um, the, the, the way the images can be shared. Um, and also the record retention requirements. And honestly, think this is going to be a significant issue when we when we really get into these because of the size of the images um, and the number of images that you must store and how how they're going to be stored and where they're going to be stored and how you would be able to access those. Um, so one of the the issues in there, the FDA wants to make sure that the the image Images submitted for second opinion interpretation must be provided to the interpreting physician in their original modality. So the process in some facilities at this point in time is, um, you know, the films are done digitally. They have the digital record in the facility. I need my mammograms. I go to that facility to, to get those and they make a copy of the original that is on their servers and they put it on a CD and provide it to me and I bring it to um, my physician. Um, you know, perhaps they're outside of your whatever medical system you're within. Um, and is, so what the doctor that you're going to, and we're just using a second opinion as an example, is that you're going to have a copy of the original digital image um, and that oftentimes is degraded and so when a, this is going to be working with your image retention and storage facilities um, and how we're going to be able to transmit these original images. Um, so there's going to be some policies and procedures uh, uh, will have to be 
implemented to be able to accommodate that kind of change. Another area in the enhancement of quality images is, I call this the three strikes and you're out, um, which makes absolute sense uh, because we do have facilities and, and there's not a lot, but in our MAMO consulting, we see this uh, where people have failed their accreditation application. And within the new law, they put some time limits on that. And after three failures, um, it says that no accrediting body should accept an application from a facility that has failed to become accredited after three consecutive attempts until at least one year after the most recent failure. Um, and believe it or not, there have been people in the pipeline for multiple times. So what this is saying, it's like a timeout. If you haven't, if you have failed three consecutive times, they're saying that you're going to need at least a year to be able to figure out what the problems are, what the processes that need to be able to restore that facility to um to compliance um, and we've seen in the past where people would switch from one accrediting body to another change the name of their facility um, and got very creative on how they might be able to keep moving so this one-year waiting period is is um, believed to be an adequate time allowance to help a facility actually address all of the issues and complete any required um, corrective action. Uh, also, facility suspension. A facility certificate may be suspended or revoked due to failure to comply with requests by FDA, um, the state certifying agency, or the accrediting board for records and information. Um, and this includes clinical images for an additional mammography review. Um, this puts just a little, not a little bit, it puts more, gives the FDA um, or the accrediting body more um more room to be able to suspend somebody that has been out of compliance instead of dragging it on for a, a long period of time. Um, believe it or not, there are those people that do um, not want to comply. Also, it looks at the digital accessories and the different things that we're using in our MAMO departments. It specifically addresses the different kinds of um, ancillary equipment. It says it all must be approved by FDA. And this, this is not just the equipment. This is all the compatible equipment that goes with it, including your monitors and your computer systems and the way that your, your um, uh, retrieving your MAMO images. Uh, so it's going to uh, talk about the equipment used in both the acquisition, the processing, interpretation, retention, and retrieval of your MAMO images. Um, additionally, there can be an AMR um, and an AMR is an additional medical review um, 
And it is something that is done as part of the quality assurance program, where after you become accredited, each year your facility has to be inspected and um, by an MQSA qualified inspector, and they will come in and look at your images. Uh, then there's a certain number of random um, AMRs, additional mammography reviews that are done where the accrediting body will notify a facility in a for a random check where they have to turn in their images. Um, and so that is something that has is is been updated, uh, updated and added the state certification agency as an entity that may initiate an, MR, uh, an AMR. And this doesn't apply to a whole lot of places because Texas does happen to be a um, uh, an accrediting body that is approved under MQSA, but they didn't have the authority to initiate an AMR without the oversight of uh, MQSA. And so that has been changed and will be incorporated. And the state of Texas, as an accrediting body, will have the ability to initiate an AMR uh, after the passage of the, the, the final rules next year. Uh, uh, one of the other areas under the notification is um, also the FDA and the state certifying agencies can do a, what's called a patient notification uh, to patients and their providers if there is a problem with quality. Um, and this, this is, it doesn't happen frequently, um, but generally when a facility has existing policies, not just policies, but processes and fails an AMR, and then they do a corrective action plan to fix the problems that they've had, well, um, then if they're not successful, then um, or the, the FDA or their accrediting body uh, sees that there's a serious risk to the patient uh, population, then that facility is required to do a patient notification, whether they send out a letter, whether they call or whatever, to say if you had a mammogram uh, at our facility during this period of time when the quality was deemed to be compromised, then um, they're sent this letter and you can come back and have another exam or we'll have those reviewed by another interpreting radiologist. Well, you can imagine that's, that's a, a significant issue for any facility that has to send out letters to their, their patients saying, you know, your exam could be compromised. Um, and so this is something that has been, when this has occurred, and I've been in a couple of, involved in a couple of cases when this has gone on, the patient notification part, the facilities push back hard on this. Um, and we've seen it where it's delayed because there's several appeals processes in place. Well, now that's saying if a facility in under the new law ends up in a situation where they are required to notify patients that if they don't comply, that the FDA or the state certifying agency 
can notify patients and their providers individually or through a mass media uh, when uh, the facility is unable to perform the required, and it's called a PPN. So that that's another enforcement issue uh, where we have seen some uh, problems in the past. So they'll now be written into the law or is written into the law. Also, facility closures and real um, Believe it or not, facilities close and they, you know, don't or maybe they're bought by somebody else. Anyway, there becomes the issue of your where your records are. If your facility has closed down and they're the ones that had your your memo records, um, then um you know, you don't have your baseline mammography or your films or your images to compare with. So written to the law now, it says prior to facility closure, the facility must arrange for access to MAMO images. Also, different policies on retention and release of records. Um, um, the facility must provide not only um, the patients with their information, but also technologists, um, because we have to document the number of procedures that we're doing to stay compliant. Um, and technologists have left facilities before and possibly they left maybe not on good terms. Who knows? People move around, but have had difficulty getting the information they needed from their facilities that they work with to be able to include in their MQSA qualification records. And now saying facilities must provide personnel with those copies. Um, and so there's a lot of things that, that, as in with all policies, procedures, and changes, generally some precipitating event that has occurred that has caused these things to be uh, formalized into the law. And there have been a lot of records issues and retention issues over the past. So the goal is really to preserve access to the MAMOs, the, the MAMO services and provide continuity, which you really need in mammography. You need the ability to compare those images and those images that, that you have if you've gone from one facility to the next must be of um, the highest quality so that you can use them for your baseline and um, to compare for the future. Um, and then uh, the third category is... Um, something that there has been some information about. Um, and so we'll talk a little bit more about that when we, we talk about the breast density. So you have those three major categories that you're looking at. Uh, updates that uh, change technology um, and updates that enhance the quality. And then the final one will be in the communication uh, of the results um, to, to the patient. So that kind of gives us a brief overview of those, um, uh, the main categories that the, um, the new laws are, are going to be addressing. I know that's a very long answer, um, but it does give you a kind of a comprehensive overview of what we're looking at. Well, thank you for that overview. 
Um, from what I see in the community, there does seem to be a lot of conversations happening about the addition of breast density to these rule changes. Yeah, well, yes, I, I think that's probably when you hear in the articles that I've written, I was doing uh, some searches yesterday and um, just to see what overall, what kind of questions were out there in the community. And this seems to be the one that's gotten the most buzz regarding breast density notification. Um, so all in the, under the new law, all facilities must use a national dense breast reporting standard for all their patients for both mammogram reports to healthcare providers and their their lay summary results to patients. Well, we currently all patients get a lay summary written in language they can understand, and their physician gets a formalized report um, that is generated by the radiologist. So these lay summary letters are letters that are sent out by the facilities. Um, and the breast density has gotten a lot of information and buzz. And frankly, the FDA has been uh, was under a lot of of pressure to come in and go ahead and formalize some sort of breast density information because what we have now and thank goodness we've had it because i'm sure it has been an impetus for improved quality was states um, addressing the issue of breast density and i think maybe 38 um, at my last look at the the breast density um, uh, um, database that they have where they're talking about the number of states that have actually already enacted breast density regulation. And so basically what it is that they're required to tell the patient about what their breast density is. But the problem with that is that we have a, a, a mishmash of regulations because some states may be as simple as just saying you must tell your patient in their lay summary that you send them that they have dense breast. Some have much more complicated or much more extensive information that's included in their breast density legislation. So now with the federal law addressing it, um, facilities, if they don't have it already or not currently using uh, breast density classification, they will have to incorporate that. States that are currently already have that and are notifying their patients have to compare what they have to what the federal law says that they must do and um, and at a minimum they're going to have to standardize their language because that has been one of the other problems um, if you've got a breast density law in the state of Texas which we have had for some time um, and very well written well thought out uh, and the language used in that may not match the language that's used in Louisiana or Oklahoma or or wherever else you might mean um, so so it will formalize and standardize what a lot of people have already been doing. So I think a lot of the buzz that we're talking about um, in that area is because people are so familiar with it. Um, 
So, but we will have to have, or the, the new law will require both reporting standards um, that, that state the breast, the breast tissue density and recommend that the patient talk to their provider about breast density and their individual situation. So at a minimum, minimum the standard language um, will must include a certain um, statement that cannot be altered to reveal to say not dense and dense and so there they are they have language for both of those categories not dense and dense that will have to be a part of their reporting mechanism uh, that they provide to the patient maybe if you've already had your your mammogram you've read your reports um, it's very important especially for people that have dense breasts because um, they may need additional types of testing to be able to see behind the dense breast tissue especially if they have some of the significant uh, risk factors associated with um, with breast cancer so that language is spelled out in the law the not dense and the dense breast and that will have to be incorporated so a lot of this is going to be each facility based on what state they're in looking at what they currently have in place what is um, going to be required for the law and then how to reconcile those um, so but if there's a lot of people that know about breast density and it was really proactive of the the mammography community to get started with breast density um, in the absence of the FDA having it uh, incorporated into the law so that's kind of the breast density metric um, that we're going to be seeing um, and will require facilities to to take our, a, a look at what they currently have and see if they can incorporate and use what they have and to make sure that they're they're meeting all the letters of the law. This is a lot of information you're giving us. It is a lot of information um, and it it does require digging into some of the areas that maybe people haven't been um, and there's a lot of things that were in the final rules of MQSA passed in 1999 that were recommended um, and so they weren't required by law that you do them um, but I've seen having been involved in mammography legislative issues and all of the rules and regulations over the years a lot of things that were recommended at some point in time became required and so I, I see the progression of the new laws and that's what we're seeing here because they're also going to have some things that people have been doing um, and where they were doing a medical audit this is another area that is under that um, category improving overhaul quality enhancements and it's the medical audit in in before 
it just said, do you do a medical audit? Yes or no. And that was what was required during the inspection process. And so it was recommended. But now they've extended that. And there are certain things that that w most facilities did in a medical audit but they didn't have to show it to anybody. Um, they just incorporated it. Do you do a medical audit? Yes or no? Well, th that's going to be more than that now because they're saying there are certain metrics that from doing a medical audit that you're going to have to report on. And these are things that um, I've been saying this for years. Why are we collecting the information if nobody's looking at it, nobody's using it? Well, now they're going to require that specific information be collected and calculated by facility. And at a minimum, the metrics required uh, are to be reported and include things like positive predictive value, cancer detection rates, and recall rates for the facilities. Lots of places have been doing that, but nobody was willing to share their information. Well, now they're saying, um, you know, okay, you not only have to do a medical audit, you have to come up with some of the calculations. Um, and hopefully the collection of that information from facilities and the reporting of that information uh, will provide tracking metrics for for um, that are essential in evaluating the overall accuracy of um, of detecting breast cancer. So we're going to hear more about that. I don't think a lot of people have gotten into it, and I'm probably one of the only people in the world that loves medical audit information. So we can talk about that at another time. Where can we go to find all of this information regarding what changed? And uh, where can people like really dig in and see what they need to do to prepare? Well, the first thing that I think that needs to be done, if they haven't done it already, there's a lot of people, there have been some blogs that are written, some articles that have been written out there, and you can find some information. But the very first thing that I did when they passed this law was I actually went to the Federal Register. And the Federal Register will give you the actual printout of what the law is and so I took that information and I put it into a binder because it gives you the summary of um, what the, the the final rule updates are um, and it gives you um, all of the different areas that are covered um, and which is it, it, it's a, like a table of contents so you can look at it and go okay th this is going to pertain to our facility and then it gives you an executive summary um, and then gets into the major provisions of the final rules and so um, that is one of the first places that I would go because it, it expounds on each one of those areas that we talked about. Um, and so once you kind of wrap your head around that information, um, it's, it's a, a little bit easier to dig through um, because, I mean, you can always go to MQSA and type in, you know, the final rules for 
2024 and it'll give you the rules but oftentimes the rules are really hard to read um so that's where i would begin with the federal register and then um uh, dense breast info is also another good site um, that you can get information um and uh, then look and see what 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 the current uh, articles are um i i've seen a couple of people that have developed some checklists um, for the different things that 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 are going to need to be addressed um, so look for some resources uh, before you start to dig in and decide what it is that you're going to have to do to address all your policies Thank you, Peggy. And remember, everyone can always follow us on social media in order to catch any new insights, including blogs that you're releasing about these updates. And everyone can find us on Twitter, TikTok, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, and YouTube at aheconline.com. We post blogs regularly about industry news and trending topics, so make sure you visit aheconline.blog to see what's new. Again, thank you so much for joining us today, Peggy. Do you have anything else that you'd like to share with us? No, I appreciate the opportunity to share the information. I'm like everybody else. I'm trying to make hay of uh, what it says and what it's going to mean. And uh, every time we talk about it, I end up with a note or two that's saying, you must look this up, and, which I did today, too. <laughs> so I was like, oh, that brings up this question. So as we move forward and kind of identify areas and, and pain points um, for facilities and technologists that are, that are are in charge of trying to implement these changes, we'll, we'll do another podcast and share information. Uh, certainly, if your listeners have any ideas or questions um, that we might be able to address in a podcast, then they should make sure they let us know. And thank you, ladies, for the opportunity. Yes, thank you so much for joining us today. This has been CE University, a podcast by Advanced Health Education Center. Stay safe, stay healthy, stay educated.